Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. This is my dad, Ted. Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. What are you a fan of? I'm a fan of people, the Milwaukee Brewers, the Green Bay Packers, the St. Norbert's men's soccer team, especially number 21, my son Charlie, Manchester United, Byron Munich, the U.S. National Team. I could go on and on. I'm a fan of the people I work with and for. I love the underdog, the show Ted Lasso. I'm a fan of a good story about someone overcoming a life obstacle. I'm a, I'm a fan of people who take risks for others. I'm a fan of the people who serve us and keep us safe. I'm a fan of great process and traditions of championships. I'm a fan of history, the mountains, travel with my family, hammocks, fish, tacos, dark chocolate, M&Ms. I could go on and on and on. Music, my mother, my brother, my wife, my children. I'm a fan of all those who fight to save our resources. I'm a fan of people who give more than they have. I could literally do this for a half an hour. I'm a fan of a lot of things. However, this episode, I'm dedicating to a little smart thinking of how we can use the same behaviors we have as a fan for our leadership. Because I believe a leader is not just standing there giving guidance, but leading as a fan of the people around them, their culture, and the results of those they are getting them for. You see, when you're a fan, you have some key behaviors. And I want you, this week, to reflect as a fan of those around you to see if you can get those you serve to the next level. There are a few key behaviors, few key behaviors of fans. And I want to explore those and have you think about them as you go into this week. As leaders, we have an obligation to frame our leadership. The framework is simple. We are influencers who can move people, change their direction, reinforce their efforts, build confidence, and lead them into the storms they are facing with energy and optimism. Because that's what Buffalo leaders do. They charge into the storm and don't try to avoid them. Each day, we have the opportunity and obligation to lead with optimism. And no matter what you do, you can never underestimate the impact you have or that we have with the slightest of intentions onto others. Being empathetic and wondering what it would be like and curious about what they need in order to move up as well as willing to provide the things that get people in a position to be the best versions of themselves, well, that's what leaders do. That's what fans do. Which is why this week, I want to have you do some smart thinking about being intentional about becoming a fan of those around you, or at least recognizing how big of a fan you actually are. Because as a parent, a friend, a colleague, how do you practice being a fan? What are your fan strategies? Are you a face painter, a sign maker, a blowhorn screamer, a silent observer, an autograph seeker? What kind of fan are you? I mean, seriously, I want you to think to yourself, how can I be a better fan for those I am around? I, personally, I'm a loud and positive fan. I pretty rarely am negative in the stands, and when the crowd gets disappointed or sullen, I usually yell out some sort of thing like, let's do this, we've got this, even if we've been scored upon, even if we're losing. Every team I ever played on and coached, I always played to the last second, no matter what the score was. And when a game or competition is over, I've always been the type to point out to others what they did well. And when I see someone down and defeated, blaming themselves or upset at a missed opportunity, I reframe it for them. What they did before and after the mistake, what they did, how they grew, where they went, what they did better. Fans, well, we have specific behaviors and the people we adore and admire, 
They feed off of our energy, especially when they feel down, defeated, or distressed. Hey, that was some pretty solid alliteration on the podcast right there. Okay, <laughs> let me tell you about where I really learned to be a fan. Texas. <laughs> I've always been a rooter, and you know, the one rooting and tooting for my teammates or the people I work with. I bring a high level of emotion to the team and the table. I rarely end anything with anger or frustration. When I lose, I learn. I learned to do that when I was in college. Now, when I was in my early 20s, I was elected president of our student government, and we had an opportunity to go to the National Student Government Association Convention. I had only one other time in my life been on an airplane, and it was in the early 1990s that I got to do this second time to go to College Station. At the time, I was obsessed with sports and I played soccer. I loved football, lost sleep when my team lost, lost energy if players were injured. I was a little over the top. My friends and I got together every Sunday and watched the Packer games and would endlessly talk trash and argue about outcomes, referees, draft picks, the calls of the umpires while we were watching Brewer games, anything to have a fight. Then I got on an airplane with three other officers from my SGA and landed in College Station, Texas, the home of... Texas A&M. I literally felt like I had landed in another country when I was there. I mean, I'm coming from Wisconsin. I had never seen an institution steeped in tradition, at least not to this level. I mean, everything was done with intention. It was so impressive. However, the most impressive thing that I saw there was the 12th man. In football and soccer, there are 11 men or women on the field, and the 12th man at Texas A&M started in 1922. Here, this is from their website. On January 2nd, 1922, E. King Gill, a basketball player and former member of the Texas A&M football team, was in the stands during the Dixie Classic as the Aggies faced top-ranked, undefeated center college. Outgunned and with nearly all players injured, Coach Dana X. Bible called Gill to the sidelines. Gill suited up and stood ready to play throughout the game, forever becoming the 12th man in what was one of the greatest upsets in college football history with the Aggies winning. 22 to 14. They've had this 12th man tradition for 101 years. Now, I don't want to get into a whole thing about college football here, but I want to share with you how powerful a fan can be. Because when we were in Texas, I actually got to meet a few of the 12th men. I saw the students take on the role of the 12th man, and the tradition was that a fan is as big of a part of the team as the team itself. A lesson I never forgot. I also remember being in a bar that had live snakes and glass aquariums and thinking, whew, Texas is really a unique place and a lot of fun. Anyway, the lesson I learned and that I walked away with was that each of us, in our respective roles, plays a significant part in the outcomes and the opportunities for others. I learned that people in big and small ways can change the lives of those around us. I learned that doing one job in one moment can lead to doing another a minute later. I've often thought about what type of fans we are in the lives of others. Are we bandwagon fans, always at the ready when things are going well? Are we fans that cast blame for those we support and join in on all the bad luck that occurred or how the referees blew the game? I mean, I rarely hear bad things about leadership and officials when things are going well. I also wonder about the people who are quiet fans and fail to capitalize on the opportunity to support others with the smallest of gestures. When I got home from the Aggie country, I had a new outlook on leadership. Likely why we were there anyways. Why we were sent to Texas. 
I learned that leaders support success and failure. Leaders fail forward. Leaders give credit and accept blame. I learned that leaders are selfless and selfish for their people. I learned that leaders don't look for awards. They earn them through perseverance and the wisdom collected on all of the different ways in which they might have bad moments. That trip changed my life in a lot of ways, and the lesson popped in my head this week when I was thinking about how we can all be better fans of the people around us. Now, leaders, listen up. No matter what it is and no matter what's going on in the life of those we serve, we are always on the sidelines of their lives, and what we do and how we respond, it matters. Great fans never say things like, well, I knew we would never win. They don't criticize what can't be controlled, and they always stand by their people. You've all been in the stands and had somebody in the background shouting or even in your own school or the office when you've found the overly critical crabby curmudgeon. (laughs) I mean, I'm crushing the alliteration today. Anyways, let's model how to be a fan of the people in our organization, our lives, and our world. Great leaders, well, they lead. They demonstrate. They have expectations. They support others. They're willing to take risks. They go for it. In order for them to do those things, they know they have support, and we are the fan base of the support for those leaders, which, never forget, is everyone around us, because leaders are everywhere. I believe that there are six characteristics of great fans. Ready? First, they bring energy. Every interaction with a fan is a confidence booster. A fan believes in you. They care about you. They want you to succeed. They live vicariously through your ups and downs. Fans show up. They cheer and maintain constant energy for you, looking for ways to support you when things are good and become even louder when the odds seem to be stacking up against you. I was never able to sit in the stands when I watched soccer with teams for over 20 years. Why? I was coaching them. When my son went to a new club as he aged, I was in the stands with the parents and the fans. Holy smoke, did I learn a lot about fans. I loved when the fans would say, we're not playing well today, we're not winning possession, or we dominated today. I used to think that, this is, this is weird, what is this we business? And then I realized, fans and teams, they are one. That, that constant cheering is the voice of a leader as well as an overzealous parent. But the we versus they brings energy. We get defensive of those we cheer on. We see the wrongs from a distance and sometimes too close up. Now, that is characteristic number two. As fans, we criticize for growth from a place of care and concern. When you're a fan, you have a unique perspective, an outside perspective, and you can very quickly make conclusions. However, it is our job to share our observations in a caring and kind manner. I love when I hear people say, why didn't she do this? Or how could he not see that one out on the field? Well, I was a student athlete in high school and college, and that made me a better coach. Do you know why? Because when you're out there and facing a million decisions and your instincts are guiding your reactions, it can be gut-wrenching when you make an error. And then you hear the fans, that critical noise. It can go two ways in the moment. First, it can reinforce to you as a person that you are a failure. Unless, of course, that second way is a positive voice where they're telling you things like, forget about it, move forward, you can do this. Because that voice, well, that voice builds you up to take more risks. The best fans see an error or mistake in someone around them and wonder what it would be like to be them. Fans use their presence to support the other person by shouting from the sidelines in the stands, it's all right, forget it, let's go. Buffalo fans need fans as well. Look, 
Look at you, little buffalo, slipping in the mud as you're running into the storm. Way to go. You got back up and you kept charging. That is the language of a fan who's concerned for your success and is motivated to help you get there. We all hear the fans, and we never know what to do, especially because we, we are usually connected to them, because fans and teams are one. That's characteristic number three. Great fans are emotionally connected to those they serve. They love them. They care about them. They're enthusiastic and sad. They're energetic during and exhausted after. They recognize the impact of the shared experience. I love watching the eyes through the world of a fan. I love listening to other fans. I love seeing people get more confident because the world is cheering a little louder for them. A fan wants the person to be their best. They want to witness them do something extraordinary, and they are grateful for the opportunity to be in the presence of those they care about. Lionel Messi may be the greatest soccer player to ever play the game. And my son and I saw him play in an international match in Chicago a couple of years ago. We were really disappointed when Messi didn't start the game and he wasn't on the pitch. However, the entire stadium started to buzz when we saw Messi warming up on the sidelines. He came into the match and the place went wild. And I'm certain he felt the energy, the voices of tens of thousands of people filling the universe with positive intent for him. He went on to score three goals that game, and my son and I, we felt electrified. We felt like we were there. We were part of this. I also feel this way, as I'm sure you do, when we put energy into someone we care about, and they find their way. We also, we also as great fans, we don't hold a grudge when things don't go well for us. Characteristic number four is that great fans are always great at forgiving and moving forward. Fans realize that most people in the world are giving all that they can in the moments they have, and sometimes that's not always good enough. And as a result, others sometimes fail. But when it's all over, they can see on the sidelines, the sidelines of the life of their fans, that stand there, that they are cheering them on. As a coach, no matter the outcome of the soccer matches, basketball games, baseball games, or even tennis matches or softball games, I always expected the players to walk over to the fans and say thank you. At the end of a great ordeal, we need to look at the fans and thank them. Fans forgive fast through recognition. They give you more support than you need when you don't even know that you need it. And they are always going to be there because they recognize that not everything is always going to go your way. And they too can move on quickly as long as you can. Now, the fifth characteristic is that fans are promoters for others and are constantly seeking ways to increase the fan base and provide more opportunities for those that they serve. Fans look for ways to increase the opportunities for improvement through process. They seek more resources for your success. They tell others that you got to see this person or read this or watch this. They promote the best in you and they are looking to share their enthusiasm about you with anyone who will listen. The final characteristic of great fans is that they are empathetic. That's the sixth one. It's always going to be in this podcast someplace. They wonder, what would it be like to be you? To be you when you feel glory. To be you when you feel pain. They feel your success. And most importantly, as a result of the ability to be empathetic, they can focus on what you need in order to be you. Fans cheer loudly. They cheer. They criticize privately. I want you to think about that. Your fans should cheer loudly and criticize you privately. They feel for you. They forgive you. 
They promote you, and they understand you. What type of fan does this make you in the lives of those around you? The last thing about a fan is this. They truly recognize and understand that this is not entirely about them. It is instead the recognition that we get to be here alongside you and see all this happening, that we are the ones that get to be a witness to your success and your failures. Great fans don't talk about what your performance did to them. They worry about what it did for you. When I root for others, I often wonder about all the people behind them. For instance, my colleagues. When people do amazing work and it took sacrifice and a lot of energy, what was it like for the people in their lives? What was it like for their family or loved ones? What burdens do people carry around that their fans are carrying with them? When a teacher or administrator or an aide has a bad experience, their fans are there. When they find success or a breakthrough, the fans are there. And they are committed to the success of that person no matter what happens. Listen, there is no bandwagon in leadership when it comes to being a fan. You can always become a better and bigger fan. But we are obligated to those we serve amongst and alongside to be their fan. And that obligation, well, it is not just to be their fan, but it's to be their biggest fan. So let's do some smart thinking. List the people you are a fan of and describe how you are as a fan for others. And last, list who's in your fan club. That's it. That's the Smart Thinking Podcast. Hey, as always, thank you for listening. And please make sure to rate and share this episode with anyone who needs to hear it because I appreciate you helping me help those who want to be better leaders. Also, Remember that you can always contact me and look for our tools on the CISA6.org website and search for Buffalo Leadership and it'll take you to my landing page. And as always, thank you to the awesome band, The Well Pennies, for their great music. Please make sure to follow them on your music platform. And finally, I want to close out this week by sharing something very personal. And it's about, well, it's about who I think my biggest fan is and how I'm also their biggest fan. A few years ago, I walked off a soccer field after coaching my daughter's U15 select soccer match. I have no idea how many games I've coached over the course of my life. I never really kept track of my wins and losses, and having coached for 20 plus years on the select level and varsity, I didn't really wonder anymore. And I didn't really realize that that moment was going to be a big moment. I went to the match just like any other match, but I didn't really think about the fact that it was going to be my very last match coaching soccer because as Grace entered high school, she didn't have new coaches and new clubs. As the girls all ran off the field in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin and went to their parents' cars for the treats and the last moment of selfies to talk to each other, I took an extra moment as I walked off the field just to stop for a second and take in the end of my coaching career. And when I looked over on the sidelines as I had spun around and looked at the whole field and the bench and everything that I had always worked for and with and had so much fun with, my fan was there, all four foot eleven of her, with a smile on her face. She She knew exactly what I was doing. She had watched me coach both our children and been to hundreds of soccer matches and seen me coach players before our kids were even born. She was home every night when I came home and she shared my highs and lows and she was always supporting me and challenging me, both critically and with love. 
I always loved to hear the fans on the sidelines, and I, I always admired how fans always stood by us, stood by their kids, by their kids' friends, and all the different teammates. However, it wasn't until that moment that I realized my fan, my wife Megan, was always there, and it made me feel amazing. So when I walked over the line and off the field, she simply said, good job, Teddy, and hugged me. It all felt worth it, because it all came together. And that, my friends, is the essence of being a fan. Standing on the sidelines of the lives around us, admiring, caring, supporting, and promoting, and being there in the moment they need us most. Because it is the fans that give leaders energy, confidence, and the motivation to work harder each and every time. This week, be the biggest fan of those around you and demonstrate a willingness to support them as they approach the storms they're facing. Celebrate with them and fight for them. If we all have fans like that, we can charge into anything. Oh, you and I are always happier, I know. Out along some highway road. And take a little break from the radio wire. And anything. Feeling this electric kind of 
Let it show